This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by FingerTech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out FingerTech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. FingerTech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From the spooky house that's giving out the full-size candy bars, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with Matt and Wendy Maxim from Stinger and Cobalt. Uh, I'll also say we're not the ha- only the house that handed out full-size candy bars, but also bags of chips. Yes, the chips were very popular, Chris. Uh, so I'm so I'm told. <laughs> uh, and as always, we'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Castbox, Player FM, and Podbean. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have four news items for you today. First up, BattleBots this week teased yet another brand new image from Season 6, this time showing Uppercut hitting a mysterious opponent that appeared to be engulfed in flames, heavily reminiscent of their match last season against Sawblaze. Check out the photo on the team's Facebook page. Speaking of BattleBots, the organization kicked off its annual Black Friday sale, offering deep discounts on official team merchandise. BattleBots supporters get an even bigger discount, giving you yet another reason to become a BattleBots supporter on Facebook. Halloween is typically a pretty big holiday for the BattleBots fandom, as kids dress up as their favorite combat robots, complete with working weapons. This year, Scorpio's Captain Zach Lytle and Diana Tarlson teamed up with Malice Captain Bunny Sario and Jackpot team member Shea Waffles Johns to dress up as famous BattleBots builders. Zach went as Hypershock Captain Will Bales, complete with Rake. Diana went as Bunny. Bunny went as Shay, And Shay went as Diana. Aww. Check out photos on the BattleBots group on Facebook. Do you think they had trouble figuring out who was who? Like, yeah. Who, like, wait, you're not Diana. I had no idea. They look so similar. Yeah. Did you see the little kid dressed as Tombstone? The best. Oh, my goodness. And the, the little best. kid dressed as um, Hydra. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. No, how about the yeah, little kid dressed adorable. as Rusty? Yeah. Best. Yeah. The best. You know, I actually heard that the, that the, the little kid dressed as Hy- Hydra actually pinned the kid dressed as Rusty uh, <laughs> against the school with a bike rack. <laughs> Yes. And finally, in South Korea, Team Orbi Captain Chuck Yu Huang is getting in on the craze around Squid Game with a new video on how to make your own Dalgona, a sugary treat that is the focus of one of the show's episodes. I won't spoil the surprise. Check out video on the team's YouTube page. Well, so so what do we have? We had four pieces of news? Yeah. 
There's a, a fifth one. There's a fifth piece of news, Luke. What? Oh my goodness. This is this is going to change the game as we know it. This is Combat Robotics news. This is Combat Robotics news. I mean, this is the four biggest stories of the week. Oh, I can't think of another one. There's a fifth. There is an exclusive get. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You uh we actually have we have two interview segments in this uh, this week's podcast. Oh. There is another builder that is joining. Really? Yes. Well, okay, I know the Maxims. Mm-hmm. Very Ooh. talented. Who else is building a combat robot who could be joining us on the show? Well, I uh, I heard that the uh, that the the very um, uh, the very handsome and the very intelligent wow uh, and the very humble and the very Ooh. humble uh, the most humble yeah builder <laughs> uh, behind the thirty pounder dark side is going to be wow. joining us on the podcast today. Wow! wow. And I, who I haven't heard of Dark Side. Is this? A dark horse kind of contender for, for what is it's this like, robot ruckus? It's, I, I'm not. I'm not familiar. I would call it the dark horse. It's more like the light unicorn. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I see. All right, let's get into it. Uh, Chris, as the builder of Dark Side, uh, welcome again to the show. Ah, yeah. Thank you. Thank uh, you, Luke. Okay. All right. Uh, you're going to be appearing at Norwalk Havoc, and I'm curious. Can you give the the fans, you know, a preview of what to expect from Dark Side. Well, <clears throat> so um, right now I have um, in my basement a a thirty pounder, uh, the likes of which has never been seen before in combat robotics. I think Paul Ventimiglia has seen it. I think you showed him photos. I, well, yeah. Well, I mean, a few people have seen it. I think that Sub Zero Captain Logan Davis has seen it. I mean that there's probably I think, a f- I think Anthony D'Ambrosio's seen it. I've certainly seen it. I've seen some pieces of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fine. I think a lot everyone's... of people have seen it. Okay. All Wait, right. You're building a thirty. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all the noise that's been coming out of the basement for the last couple of weeks. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so you are officially getting in on the combat robot game with something that's actually quite serious. Like it's not a joke. It's, it's not, not a, a joke. joke. <laughs> it's not like the snuggie. Right. You it's don't find jo- it like you a joke. Yeah. You don't. You don't just. You don't just cheer for for dark side as a joke. It's a serious <laughs> bot. Okay. All right. Describe it. Okay. Um. Well, first of all, it is uh, unlike a bot you, you have ever seen before. Okay. It's a new material. Yeah. It's a new weapon. Yeah. Uh, and it, um, I feel like, is really going to shine a light on the sport. It's new physics, too. <laughs> well, we haven't discovered <laughs> the physics of it yet because I haven't turned it on. Right. So let me get this right. I've asked the question now twice. Will I ask it a third time, Chris? Will you describe this combat robot for our podcast audience? You know, because it is a, a... It's an audio format. Yeah. I feel like if I tell you too much about the bot, you'll see right through it. Wow. Ooh, that's okay. a hint. Yeah. Well, all right. So uh, I'll, I'll just I'll jump into my design ethos a little bit. Oh, I get to God, say that now God. because no, I am a builder. No, no, no. Just describe so it. Myself and oh my God. the rest of the the, the bot building community. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes there's cards that we ha- we have to hold very close to our chest. But I will not. Um, I. 
I have uh, been fascinated, morbidly fascinated, about a, a new weapon type that is not necessarily new. It oh my is, god! It is. Um, uh, it is a a, a a replica of a 19th century flywheel steam hammer. Right. Right. You right. know the eighteenth century. Nineteenth century. 19th. <laughs> Come on, what are we? What are we? What are we doing here? Why would you take a hundred years away from this man's progress, Lindsay? Yeah. I don't uh, I don't understand. I was a history major, but I'm not good with dates. It's uh, it's old meets new. It's a real cosmic gumbo. Wow, we're really we fit in two. I think you should leave references. Yeah. So real niche for you listeners out yeah. there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, all right. Well, now, now I need to, I need to actually ask the community something. <laughs> my, my community that I'm a part of. Okay. What you provide for. I, right. you know, I'm, I'm, hey, hey, out there, uh, builders, <laughs> I'm one of you now. <laughs> so, uh, okay. oh no, it's not a fan podcast oh. anymore, guys. We're a builder podcast. Ah, yes. Behind the bots 2.0. <laughs> wow. All right. So here is my ask. Um, uh, November 13th, Norwalk Havoc. Yeah. I'm going to be bringing a 30 pounder to probably compete with some, uh, some incredible 30 pounders. Megatron. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh. It's going to cut you in half, Chris. We, and yeah, well, that's, it's possible. (laughs) It's, it's, it's possible. Yeah. That, that, that happens. Uh Uh-huh. The, uh, the other possibility is that, um, I, I cut Megatron. Wow. 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 All right. Are you um, throwing are you are you asking Norwalk Havoc <laughs> organizer Austin McCord to bring you No Bring Megatron. me Jameson Go <laughs> I think uh, it'll end very similarly for you as it did for him. <laughs> okay, okay. Well here's the thing. Okay, now okay, now that I got all that out of the way. Yeah. Now is where I need to ask the builder community, please help me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if this thing's going to explode when I turn it on. I don't I don't know how in-wheel hub motors work. I think I have all the wires right. Yeah. If you're willing to join Team Darkseid yeah. on Friday, November 12th, to help me get this thing going, I need to put out an APB. To everyone who's got uh, a couple of sleeves that they're willing to roll up to help me get this thing moving. So in in your pit crew right now, yes, you have there is two um, cousins, a little miniature cousin. <laughs> what? Yeah, and it? yourself, and you're not. And, you're going to be announcing. So and Seth Schaefer and Seth. Seth was kind Seth enough to is offer. Busy. He's busy. I, I, that's why we need we need as many people that are willing to help me as possible. So you're saying. If you're a builder in the Northeast, who happens- you'll have to be in the Northeast. Fly out, <laughs> get a hotel. I'll be right. staying in Norwalk on Thursday night. You, I'll, 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 I'll send complimentary Diet Coke to your room. Wow. wow. We, we meet at Norwalk Havoc on Friday. We get this thing working. I'll have it seventy-two percent done. Wow. Wow. And so, if you're a builder and you're not going to Robot Ruckus and you're not competing at Norwalk Havoc. And you want to help out. Or if you are doing those things and you just want to abandon all of your hard work 
yeah. and help me push this thing across the starting line. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, it could be a historic moment. Like, honestly, you could have created a new weapon type. You could be taking home the golden dumpster in a week and a half from now. Yes, uh, or my bot explodes. Either way, it's going to make great television. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I guess that's it. Uh, Chris, I have a very important question for you. All right. Yes, Kyle. Uh, 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 builder, uh, you know, this is this is the Builder Chris. Um, <laughs> go ahead with your question. Yeah, Builder Chris. Builder Chris, so on November 13th, you're planning on competing at Norwalk Havoc. What are you planning on doing November 15th at 8 p.m.? Actually, 7.50 p.m. To be specific, okay. um, uh, you'll you uh, reach out to my assistant. <laughs> um, I'm probably gonna get asked to be on like a lot of podcasts, yeah. and mm -hmm. you never know. I I think um, you know uh, maybe maybe a, like a like a, a combat robotics YouTube channel or something. Maybe Mr. Psycho is gonna interview me. I don't know. We'll see. Wow. Maybe I'll be on the fan show. You're not gonna be doing any of those things. You are going to be feverishly refreshing your browser. You know why? I don't, gee, Jesus, Kyle, I don't know, why? <laughs> because you're gonna be applying for Motorama Robot oh. Conflict because registration oh. opens November 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Wow. Wow. Just announced, wow. by the way, about an hour ago. I, that so is, That is the name I have not heard in many moons, Kyle. Right, Motorama. <laughs> Motorama! Breaking news, breaking news. It, it's, it's really interesting. It's the only robotics uh, uh, competition that you have to prove that you can eat an entire cheesesteak before you sign up. <laughs> Just one? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's... Uh, yeah. We have a sixth piece Oh, of my news. God! <laughs> no, we don't! <laughs> Um, okay, builder community and fan community, yeah. a very important day is upon us uh -huh. this November 1st of 2021, and it is our very own Luke Singles' birthday. Oh my I goodness. Not, I have what? not wanted to celebrate this for the entire week. Why are we doing this? It's your birthday? Oh my gosh. You're having your birthday just to celebrate my new robot that's being made? <laughs> <laughs> yes, today's my birthday. I'm 39, which is a non-birthday age. You know what? Not everyone gets to 39. It's an honor. That's dark. I like it. <laughs> I like it. You know, it. when you don't want to celebrate a birthday, go a little dark. It yeah. sometimes makes you feel better. Next year, I'm going to do a huge blowout. It's going to be great. We're going to do like a costume party. It'll be so much fun. Well, for 39, we just had two nights of back-to-back -back cakes. Yeah. And Oof. now we have learned that you don't even like cake. No, I do not like cake. <laughs> I've grown, I'm so old that it hurts my teeth. We actually celebrated by putting uh, candles into the crab rangoon that we ordered from the Chinese <laughs> restaurant. Wow. Uh, this is going to be our first three-hour episode, all right? <laughs> it's easy. Chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a seven story. No, I'm kidding. All right, that's it for this week's news. It was the best of bots. It was the worst of bots. <laughs> After the break, our interview with Matt and Wendy Maxim. 
This interview is brought to you by Just Cause Robotics and friend of the pod, Seth Schaefer. Seth has competed in BattleBots with Bloodsport and in Season 6 with Retrograde. His goal is to make it easier for new builders to get involved in combat robotics through guides and tutorials and now custom products. If you're interested in learning more, check out his website at justcuzrobotics.com. That's just C-U-Z robotics.com. This week on the podcast, we have two very special guests, BattleBots veterans Matt and Wendy Maxim. The Maxims began building combat robots in the early 2000s and found success with their fire-breathing control bot Sewer Snake, which was inducted in the Combat Robot Hall of Fame in 2007 and took home gold at Roa Games in 2011. In 2015 and 2016, they competed on BattleBots with Stinger, a bright yellow control bot that went deep in the competition, taking out top-tier bots with a combination of toughness, reliability, and great driving. This year, the Maxims are again teaming up with Robotic Death Company, which recently acquired the punishing vertical disc spinner Cobalt. We're catching up with the Maxims mere weeks before BattleBots returns to the Discovery Channel, so welcome to the show, Matt and Wendy. Hello. Thank you. Hello. I am so excited that I'm uh, that we're able to talk to you. Um, this has been one of the interviews that uh, I've been so looking forward to for the longest time. Um, I'm such a huge fan of your robots and Cobalt's one of my favorite robots. And so it's so cool that that we're able to, you know, uh, see it in the competition again this year. I know it's a, a robot that people are really looking forward to. Um, so this is cool. Um, so whenever we have two people on the show, we like to, <laughs> we like to have them introduce one another, like kind of tell us a little bit more about the other person, because you obviously know a lot more than, um, that we do about one another. Plus it's like, you know, kind of difficult to talk about yourself. So, um, maybe Matt, we can start with you. Can you tell us a little bit more about Wendy? Maybe give us some fun facts, stuff we might not know, some secret stuff, perhaps. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, can can you tell us more uh, more about uh, about your wife? Sure. And I have no problem talking about myself either. But that that's a different story. <laughs> but actually, Wendy, and the other thing is, this may not be your most politically correct episode but it is what it is we are who we are and we'll take it out in the box but wendy um is started out as a radio in the backside of radio basically she's the radio bean queen now she's a television bean queen she works uh for uh hearst entertainment hearst television and they've got stations all over the country and uh, growing up, her parents, uh, I think owned a winery and my parents drank a lot of wine. So <laughs> it, it was really, it was a match made before we even knew each other. In fact, we grew up less than 10, 15 miles away from each other. She grew up in Sebastopol. I grew up in Hillsburg and, um, we didn't meet until we were in our thirties. Um, but uh she uh she's one of those quiet ones you have to be very careful with because she doesn't talk much she doesn't say much but uh i was a shooter all of my life i grew up hunting don't hunt too much anymore other than in the battle box but um she had picked up a gun once in her life and i said you know you need to be able to pr- protect yourself and she 
we went out and shot guns and I couldn't believe she is Annie Oakley. She, wow. uh, we went to an IDPA competition and she placed third place in the first time, third or second, hun? Third. Third place in the first competition she ever shot in. Wow. And, uh, guys were looking at her going, how long have you been shooting? And she said, mm, about six months. Wow. And so, yeah, she, when she takes on something, she is great at it. And, you know, people call me a good driver. If you look up on bot rank, she still to this day has a very, very highly ranked lightweight. For a long time, she was the second highest rated uh, lightweight in bot rank history. She is a champion. So, yeah, people talk about me because I made it on TV a little more than she did. But we as a team, we we were, uh, wow. We were pretty good, but she was awesome. That's amazing. And Wendy, can you tell us a little bit more about Matt? Sure. As Matt mentioned, um, we both grew up in Sonoma County out in farm country, and he grew up on the farm helping his dad tinker with machines, which is kind of why uh, helped him learn how things work and how things break and how things uh, come back together. Um He's done a lot of different jobs in his life from printed circuit board shop, construction, plumbing, as everybody knows, from the famous uh, plumbing line on BattleBots, um, and running his own handyman service. He currently works for a hydraulic fluid power company, Western Integrated Technologies. And something a lot of people probably don't know about him was in his youth, he rode Western, or I'm sorry, English, pardon me. Um, so rode horses, uh, in competitions and did very well, was the junior grand national champion at 15. Wow. Yeah. Age wow. 14, 15 hunter jumpers. <laughs> yeah. So he's, uh, he's very competitive, um, <laughs> but likes the kind of individual competitions that it, like the jumping and battle bots was really something or combat robots in general was really something that brought together both his love of tinkering machinery, um, breaking things, being able to take things apart, put them back together, breaking things, um, and competing as well, and putting your design against somebody else's to see whose comes out on top. So it, it all came together and just worked. Very cool. Very cool. Um, what what interesting. Uh, I mean, it's so interesting that uh, that both of you have like the, this competitive streak that that kind of runs through your life. Um, and combat robotics, obviously, is is super super competitive. Um, so I I was really interested in kind of like going back, like rewinding time and like understanding what you were interested in before you discovered combat robotics. You know, um, it's so funny. For so many fans of the show, for so many fans in the Bay Area who've been to Robo Games and have seen your your robots, you know, they think of, you know, the Maxims as like this really big kind of powerhouse couple in the sport. And, um, and you know, I'm, I'm curious, basically, like, what, what was your life like before you even knew that combat robotics was a thing? I mean, did you did you have any idea, basically, you know, in your mind that uh, you might be building robots and fighting them for uh, for like 18 years now, basically? Absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, if if you if you go back, I am really 
I'm like a, a, a hound, you know, it's like, ooh, squirrel, ooh, squirrel. Um, I never really had hobbies that I did for a long time. In high school, I didn't like team sports. I didn't like school, um, but I did track for a while, uh, but it was cross country. So I was by myself out in the middle of nowhere, and I had to depend on basically myself. Um, then I didn't do that very long. I rode horses through high school. Um, that was basically me and the horse. So it was, it was, it was kind of like a team. Sorry, hun. Like I am with Wendy. It's just a partnership between two people and it was me and the horse. And I was so lucky at, in high school that I rode a horse that would save me during horse shows. The horse would make me look good at horse shows and she would was a pain in the butt during lessons. So she made me a better rider during lessons. But when we were showing, she made me look better. And there were so many kids I rode with that the horses would do perfect in lessons. They'd go to shows. Everybody's nervous. And the horse would just be terrible to them. So I, I felt I was really lucky because my relationship with the horse, I mean, I knew this horse when it was a foal, when it was born, my stepmother owned it and, um, we raised it. So I used to hang out in the middle of the night on the side of this hill where we lived. And I would just go out and hang out with the horse and talk with the horse. And, oh, we, we did stupid things like the horse would chase me and I'd run down this hill to a fence a six foot chain link fence and I would dive over the fence and the horse would skid to the fence, hit the fence. And it was just a game we had, but it, it, it's weird looking back, the crazy stuff you do in the middle of the night. I mean, like playing full <laughs> contact uh, golf on a golf course, a friend of mine, we'd go down there and they'd have two holes on every green and we'd go down there with hockey pucks and, and a golf ball and, and play hockey golf. And, uh, oh, those guys hated us, but, um, cause we tore up their greens, but just, just growing up, um, I, I never really found anything I stayed in. I mean, I was in horses for about three years. I was in track for a couple years. Um, I, I had very few hobbies. Uh, I just worked. Um, I built things. I either worked with my dad and built stuff or I would build, I mean, after I got out of high school, I built, I took an old Honda Odyssey that was just a frame and rebuilt it, um, made a roll cage for it with a tubing bender. I mean, just, just fabricating stuff like that. Um, working with my dad, building, uh, uh, lumber racks for trucks, just anything farm equipment. He'd have a tractor that would get broken. We'd, we'd rebuild it. So I learned how to weld pretty young. Um, but it was all steel. And, uh, then as I got older and got out on my own, I realized I don't have time or money for all these, these things, you know, playing and working. I, I was paying bills and, and working construction, worked in a couple different fields of construction, electrical, plumbing, uh, general contracting stuff. Um, and then kind of fell on plumbing because I could make decent money. And I worked for a really small company that let me, that was getting into more the battle bot times and the robot times. But, um, you know, coming up, 
when we started watching shows on TV before, before I even knew Wendy, um, or about the time we were meeting, it was really funny. We met and we, the joke is we met on the internet. We both liked the Oakland A's. So we both, we met over baseball. We got together, hung out, started watching TV. We found Robotica, Robot Wars, BattleBots. And to be honest, my favorite show was Robotica. I wish that would have kept going. I liked the matter of, uh, it was a competition, but it was task oriented. You know, you, you had to build this machine that had to crawl over stuff. Um, break things, traverse different types of uh, terrain, and then they had a fight at the end and had a race. I mean, it was so cool. I mean, that was before I knew Jeff Vasquez, watching them, watching um, Todd uh, Mendenhall with his uh, Panzer. He was in one of them, I think. Some of the, There was a builder in Sacramento who went there and just... I love that show. And in fact, that and you listening to your podcast, talking about junkyard wars and stuff like that, taking stuff, building it, fighting or competing, keeping it running. Those are really cool things. And that kind of drew me in. But I didn't ever really think about doing it until after Wendy and I were married. And it was in the 2000. I think it was 2000. Um, we actually weren't married yet. It was, uh, we, our first live event was the BattleBots November, 2001. And we were, we had been watching, um, South Park <laughs> and BattleBots came on afterwards. So we, we ended up, we were South Park newbies. Um, uh, and after one of the shows, they just said, Hey, if you ever want to come see a taping, check out BattleBots.com. So I went online and it's like, Hey, you know, they're taping in a month or two you want to go see one and we were living in the bay area we were in san rafael and it's taping on mare island and it's like why not and it was just incredible i have absolutely no mechanical ability and within the first five minutes i'm like we have to figure out how to do this wow i don't know how we're going to do this but we have to figure out how to do this and we were still um, even though we'd been going out for um, about a year and a half, I still didn't fully understand Matt's capabilities at that point in time. He'd built some incredible shelves for me in my apartment complex that I lived in for a while and that you could hang three gorillas and a little boy off of and they wouldn't have fallen over. Um but I didn't realize, you know, the, the talent that he had on any, all the mechanical stuff. Um, but I kind of started seeing it when we were at our first BattleBots competition because a robot would come out and he'd go, you see that flange right there? That's going to break within the first 30 seconds of the fight. And lo and behold, it would break within the first 30 seconds of the fight. So he had that ability to, to know materials and how they re interreacted and how they how things come together and how they come apart uh, and it was fascinating watching him and it was that night at that uh, we kept going we got to go to sleep we have to work in the morning but, but we have to do this and we're going to build this and we're going to you know we sat there and talked pretty much all night about 
you know, what, what we wanted to do and how we wanted to go about building and uh, starting to get ideas and all that stuff. Wow. What, what, what was your first robot? You know, can, can you take, take us back, you know, how long did it take to build the first robot? And can you tell us more about your, your first fight? If you can remember it. Oh, wow. Well, coming up to the first robot, um, which is kind of funny when we went to that first battle bots, um, we walked in the, the, there's like an entry area where you check in and, and they had a little like, uh, it's kind of like what was at BattleBots this year. Uh, but it, you walk in and the first robot I ever saw in person was Nightmare. And they had it setting and and you just go from watching it on, you know, back in the day, we were lucky if we had a 30 inch TV. And it was like, you walk up to this thing and it's over four feet tall. And it's like, oh my God, this thing is giant. And it was like, wow. And so I saw that. Then we saw the fights. And instantly my mind is just spinning. Like looking, the first year we went, we went on a final day. And they still had some kind of those one-hit wonders. They were lucky to get off the starting line, even though it was a final. They, they had some fights, but most of them were pretty good. So we started designing. And then I went home and literally I worked construction. Um, so I had tools at home that had carbide teeth saw blades. So it's like, well, I could build with steel, but I don't have a cutting torch. I don't have all, I didn't have hardly any tools I needed yet, but I knew my woodworking tools, I could actually work with aluminum. So I was designing around aluminum and the first robot we ever designed was called Badger. It was literally going to be a bad, uh, it looked like an animal. And it, uh, it was going to be, it was a four-wheel drive rotator before rotator was even a thought. Uh, it had a low blade on the front, a high blade on the back. It was four-wheel drive. It was actually about the same platform that our first four-wheel drive sewer snake ended up being, but it was, I, the reason I made it is the bar spinners at the time, there was very few good ones, but I thought, yeah, it's the easiest one for me to build that was a weapon, and, uh, and we started to lay it out, started to figure it out. Um, and being a low blade, high blade, there was no front or back because when you got flipped over, the back becomes the front. So it's always the same, but you could still drive it backwards to hit high or drive it forward to hit low. So it was almost an undercutter or a high. Basically, it was what Rotator did. Um, in fact, sorry, I'm terrible with names, but the, the builder of Rotator used to fight in the early Robo games and he had... What was his robot, Wendy? Blue Flame. Blue Flame. And it was a two-wheel robot with twin spinners. And he learned a lot. I, I remember looking at his bot going, oh, my gosh, you're going to get stuck. If anybody touches you, you're going to get stuck. And that was one thing I always worried about uh, when designing a robot is, okay, if someone gets under you, if you get thrown against the wall, how are you going to react? 
So I was building this four-wheel drive robot called Badger, and I built it out of plywood because I felt, eh, I can build it out of plywood, I can build it out of flat aluminum, just weld it together. But as I built it and got components, buying, you know, the old, old four-inch mag motors, the really big ones for the weapon, which were really actually kind of crappy motors, but I won't say anything. Um, and we were dry, we, Wendy, when we were designing the drive, I said, Wendy, I could get these motors, which are the three-inch mag motors, or we could buy these like Bosch ones that are a lot cheaper. And she goes, well, which one's better? And I go, well, the mag motor, but it's like $350. And she was like, well, get the mag motors. They're better. <laughs> so she was really wow. a bad influence because she let me buy anything I wanted. So it was great. <laughs> but we designed the robot, couldn't get underweight. And the whole time I was building the robot, I made this wooden platform. I started driving it. And this was the this would have been before the what March show, the second time we went i think it was april april or may 2002 which which would have been uh we were gonna we were building for that one that event but uh i'll let wendy get into the story of why we didn't make it but i i just couldn't get i wasn't happy with the robot yet but even though i wasn't happy with the robot i would take it to family gatherings and drive this plywood robot that looked like a badger drive it around and i mean even back then i was thinking ooh sponsorships there is insincorator makes a garbage disposal series called badger and i was thinking i could get them as a sponsor cuz i was already in the plumbing business and it was like oh yeah you know team plum crazy badger get uh, insincorator to be my uh my sponsor but yeah i'm not good with sponsors so that that never came through but Badger, um, I learned to drive. We learned what wouldn't hold up, things that would break on the plywood bot, chains would come off. And as it was getting closer to BattleBots, Wendy and I decided, hey, let's get married. So why didn't we make it to the first season of BattleBots, hon? Well, we flew to Hawaii and we got married. And, um, <laughs> yeah, Aww. so... We we actually there. I don't think there was a way we could have put together a robot um, prior to. I think it was May two thousand two, um, but we 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 got married um, sometime either before we got married or after I started putting together a a weight calculator to try to figure out how much is this thing's going to weigh if we could build it, and I think we couldn't come in under four hundred pounds. Uh, so that wouldn't even work in the super heavyweight class. And we were really shooting for the heavyweight class. So that's when, um, we went radical redesign. Um, and I'll let Matt talk about that because he, that's when, uh, the first robot, the first version of sewer snake was designed and created. Yeah, I, I would I would love to hear more about Sewer Snake because I, I, I feel like it's such a famous robot. And, um, you know, like this decision to build Sewer Snake the way that you did and just make it so tough. I, I'd love to just kind of hear the, the story of Sewer Snake. Um, you know, was that your second robot, your third robot? Is that like your sixth robot? You know, like where where did Sewer Snake come um, in like your 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 history, you know, of of, of your previous builds? 
Well, it really is the it's the first full combat robot that we built. I mean, Badger was really just a prototype to try to see proof of concept. And then we figured out it didn't work. Um, and so Sewer Snake was the first robot that we actually built fully out of metal and ready to compete. Go, Matt. All right. I'll try and give you the Reader's Digest version. So we didn't, we weren't ready for the, the next season of BattleBots. But that taping, while that show was taping, we went to five consecutive tapings. Um, we, went, we were there five different days, uh, two sessions on most of those days. So I learned really quickly, horizontal bar spinners. This is way, way before Tombstone and Last Rites and Mortician were even a, a thought in Ray's uh, building. Uh, he was just a thwackbot back then. So we uh, we went in, watched multiple episodes of the early tapings. The 500 robots were there fighting in four weight classes. And they that's when we really saw, wow, there's a lot of um, not really well-prepared or designed robots that want to be on TV. And they sucked. <laughs> they they really did. I mean, there there's a reason why a lot of builders say one hit wonders. Uh, some of them were like they smoked before they got out of their box. I mean, it was like I literally said, "Wow, I don't want to be one of those. I'm not going to build a bar spinner." It's also when I fell completely over hills in love with El Diablo, El Diablo Grande, El Diablo. I love those bots. I wanted a tracked drum bot. But my building instinct said, tracks suck. Um, so, but I wanted to do a drum. I really wanted to do a drum. We had already decided to do a single bar spinner with a floppy wedge on the back, but that just went out. It was going to be a drum bot. I wanted to make a drum. That's why the early sewer snake emblem has the snake in a circle with the head sticking out. Basically, it I created that. And Wendy did. She did all of our she did all of our artwork as in painting, designing. Some of it she stole or got uh, most of it stolen clip art or re revamped clip art. Yeah, but she did all the painting. I mean, we get it, it was cool. She all we always wanted to have a a a, a mascot for the bot so sewer snake was a a hybrid snake it was a cobra with rattlesnakes on rattle rattle rattlesnake rattles on it um and then sewer snake because i was a plumber uh devil's plunger well we won't get into all that we'll get sewer snake i'm trying to make this concise and i just can't do it uh so basically we were designing a four-wheel drum bot and we had almost everything ready. The drum wasn't completed. It was designed. I had components and BattleBots canceled. And it was like, oh my gosh, I've got this robot because we had the body done um, and I had been driving it. I mean, literally this was a, it was almost like a second and a third full-time job. I would go home, build, design, look at tapes, 
just learn everything I could about everybody else in the sport, drive the robot, and BattleBots cancels. And it's like, well, that sucks. Um, now what do we do? What do we do? And we heard about this pity party, the robo, the first robo joust in Las Vegas that Ed Robinson. It was actually Las Vegas Street Fight Four, so it wasn't his oh, first competition ever. You're correct. But it was, um, it was a street fight. No spinning weapons. Couldn't do a drum there anyway. So what did we do, Matt? So we put a floppy nosed wedge on the front because. You don't want to put a wedge if you're going to get flipped over and the wedge doesn't work. So we designed, we copied some other builders and made a floppy-nosed wedge, showed up. We we fought a uh, a preliminary grudge match with the Sac- Sacramento builder who was, uh, his bot was Vicious Circle. And do you even remember his name, hun? Because I can't. I can't remember it. Actually, I think it, at uh, Las Vegas, he was calling it Discontent. Yes, but he didn't have a weapon on it. So he was basically a middleweight uh, because he didn't have any of his weapon stuff. He just wanted to drive the robot because I think it was a new robot and I wanted to drive. So we did a grudge match before the event really even started and I owned him. So it was great, but it was it was an unfair fight. He was only about one hundred and fifty pounds, no wedge no spinner, no nothing. So I got drive practice. And, and then we got into the competition. My first competitive fight ever was against Team Think Tank. And I think the robot was called Think Tank. The robot was called Think Tank. It was a track. Um, I don't even remember what all he had. He had two tracks. It was a, I think an E-Tech powered tracked robot that was just a missile and he had a wedge on the one end and i think it was one that might have been a drum i don't remember what his BattleBots weapon was but it looks like the picture that i can see here he's tracked and he had a drum on okay it. but he wasn't fighting with the drums but he wasn't spinning yeah. with the drum and um it was another one that was he just basically climbed up our wedge we had good luck against him the sewer snake ran it and worked. uh and we got our a first first com- competitive fight win. And I want to back up a little bit because after watching BattleBots, I only had two two things that I wanted to happen. I wanted to build a robot that everything that was designed in the robot would work and when I put it in the arena, it would drive because you can't believe how many fights at the early days of BattleBots, the non-televised stuff where people go in there, put the bot in the arena and it wouldn't start, or they turned it on and it would go up in flames. And it was like my whole, it wasn't even to win a fight. It was to just put it in the arena and have it work. And it did. So I was just ecstatic on those first two, the grudge match and my first competitive fight. We got a win. Yay, Team Plum Crazy's here. And then our second fight, I learned what combat robot was combat robots were all about. I got put up against Todd Mendenhall with Panzer Mark two, three, or four. I think it's 4.5 is what I have down. it, It could be, and he owned me. 
Um, I honestly don't even remember that fight. I just remember I lost and we broke a gearhead. And um and and we didn't even have spare gearheads because at the time I had bought two gearheads because they were five hundred dollars each. And I didn't have spares because heck, Fuzzy Molden uses them in all of his robots and they never break. Well, I learned something in orbital gearheads, your planetary gearheads, 10 to 1 is the Achilles heel of that gearbox. It is the weakest shock load gearhead made because if the output gears are two inches in diameter, the sun gear is about the size of your pinky and it exploded. And unfortunately, I had no spares and it was so cool because we were pitted next to Maximus, which was uh, not not Toro Maximus. This is Maximus, who is a super heavyweight from the early BattleBots era. And if you look at my robot Devil's Plunger, you can see Maximus in that because there were two robots I I modeled our robots after, at least in build philosophy and fighting style. Maximus because he would fight against. Um, the Loctite bot. Uh, Vlad the Impaler. Vlad the Impaler. And these guys were 340-pound robots that literally were bouncing off the walls. And this, this robot would bounce off the walls, come back in, shoot 30 miles an hour across the arena, and bounce off the other wall. I loved it. I loved Maximus because he was, he was just literally off the wall. And if you look at my driving style as we move through the sport, I'm the same way. The other robot I modeled after and, and built philosophy was Donald Hudson. Dissector was one of my favorite robots because it was animated. And going behind the scenes, he was the first robot builder that I really saw would build attachments specifically for a robot. He was modular before modularity was cool. And I saw that and I go, that's what I want. I, I don't want to be the best anything. We fight in a sport of rock, scissor, paper. I want to be a good rock, a good scissor, and a good paper. Because if I can be good at everything, there's a good chance I have the ability or the chance to beat anyone I come up against. So that's really where we came up with, I wanted modular design and I wanted to keep it simple. And the simplicity kind of over time came with experience because luckily building that Badger bot taught me, hey, things are gonna break, you have to fix them. And when we were at the first Robo Joust we went to, uh, Maximus, I was using these these one-inch cast iron bearings that weighed about a pound and a half or two pounds each. And I was using, oh shoot, I think there was 10 or 12 of them on my robot. And Maximus was using these steel stamped one inch or inch and a quarter bearing on the outside and three quarter inch bearing on the inside. And all of his bearings weighed less than like two or three of mine. And I go, ah, I'm doing it wrong. And I looked at them and I, I stole ideas from every robot I looked into. If I saw the insides of a robot and then I saw him fight and those things didn't break, 
I would put that on my list of that's what I want in my bot. I want, you know, these guys are using it. If it's good enough for a super heavyweight, it's good enough for me. Um, and so we, we, uh, I kind of got lost where we were going with that, but sewer snake, uh, Todd Mendenhall broke our gear head. We didn't have a spare. Everybody in the pit were like, Hey, you put on a couple really good fights. Um, are you broken? You know, how are we going to get you fixed? Everybody tried to, to offer parts, but none of them would really fit in my robot. And to this day, I feel bad. I didn't leave the competition early because I was mad because my robot broke. I was, I was upset that I didn't have spares. I was upset that I couldn't keep going. And we had a long drive home, but I thought, you know what? It's Saturday. If we drive home tonight, I've got all Sunday to redesign. And I really wish I would have stayed at the competition and watched all the other fights, and we didn't. And I, I, that, was, that, was, that was like, okay, I'm never doing that again. So I learned a lot at that first competition. I'm guessing that there were probably, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, but I guess there were probably some people who thought, oh, we'll never see them again. They've, they've packed up and left early. Mm, yeah. But, but I, I packed up and left early. And on the drive home, I called up the guy who is now at Apex Dynamics, who used to be at uh, Thompson Micron, and said, hey, I got these gearheads from you. I really liked them right up to the point they broke. And I was talking to John Kaskas at Apex Dynamics. Well, it was Micron back then, but he's the same guy. I followed them from Micron to Apex Dynamics. And I said, you know, I bought this gearhead. They were great, but I can't afford $500 a fight. And I told him, you know, this 10 to 1 is the perfect gear ratio. And he goes, oh, my gosh, I should have never given you that. He goes, I completely didn't think that you were building a combat robot, and I sold you those. And right there, he said, I'm going to send you two 7-to-1 gearheads. Um, I don't even remember if he made me pay for them, uh, but, but he said, I'm going to send them to you because uh, cause we, you know, I told him we're really into the sport. The TV, BattleBots, you know, was, was still in their minds, but even though it was off TV, I don't think anybody knew it at that point other than the builders. Um, but he was really friendly, really helpful, went back. I, the gearheads got to my house like three days after we got home and I was already redesigning the robot for the next competition. And I completely shelved the, uh, the, uh, drum because I had so much fun just driving, just just bouncing off the walls and i realized i want to be a, a control bot um and that's where that whole thing started with the wheels on the outside high ground clearance floppy nosed or invertible wedge and that that's how sewer snake came to be very cool i'm going to turn it over to kyle um who's going to start off with some listener questions because the listeners kind of pick it up from there and talk about your um your your long career now with the robot, uh, the the reboot of BattleBots. Um, so Kyle, take it away. Happy to do so. Um, Max, Wendy, I uh, have been watching you guys fight robots for literally ever. So it's like awesome to talk to you. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Um, so we're going to start with uh, Hunter Huey McIntosh's first question. 
It's one that a lot of people asked, and uh, I know you have some feelings about this. So, will Stinger ever return? <laughs> well, the the first part of this question is everybody knows about the new shelf that they're putting in the box for this season. I don't know. I am not on social media, so I don't know how much has been seen. But when when the the train Greg told us what they were doing, I was so pissed I didn't have Sewer Snake or Stinger. Because Sewer Snake would have been perfect for the arena that we may have fought in uh in 2021. <laughs> NDA. But uh, no, we did fight in, but uh, back to Stinger. Stinger is sitting collecting dust. I don't think it will make it back in, but I don't want to go fully into that um, until we talk about the latest seasons and the last seasons of BattleBots that we've been in. We did two seasons of ABC. We did a season with Gigabyte or we retired for a few seasons and then we did a season with Gigabyte and then John brought us back with Cobalt. But I would love to bring Stinger back with a highlight of a lot more Sewer Snake in Stinger than Pipe Wench in Stinger. Yeah, I don't think um, Matt and Stinger ever really bonded like Matt did with Sewer Snake. Um, Stinger, just the geometry of the way that the, the top lifter was, it just didn't work as well with Matt's driving style. Um, and having so many years of driving Stinger or Sewer Snake, um, it, it just didn't work the same way. They look very similar in some ways, but they react to the robots so much differently that um, he never really had that full bonding with Stinger like he did with Sewer Snake. There, there was a few fights um, when they would put us up against nasty spinners. I would set up Stinger similar to Sewer Snake with the plow setup, and we did very well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. Um, all right, so I wanted to move on to a question from Alexander Archer. Um, so he usually sends in like a ton of questions for us. He's awesome. He's one of our super fans and just a genuinely good guy. Um, so he wants to know about this most recent season. How different is it competing with somebody else's robots this season instead of your own? And his kind of follow up to that is, did Dave and Sam give you any advice about competing with Cobalt? Well, as soon as, um, the, the deal was, was signed between, John Maladnik and Dave and I, um, yes, I, we got on uh, discord, one of the, our signal, I don't know, some, some, some way we could uh, chat back and forth and I picked their brain. I went back and looked at all of Cobalt's fights, um, that I could find. I looked at their fights in China. The funny, th th this is such a weird story because if anybody noticed, uh, Dave Mould's first championship was in 2006 at a UK event that Wendy and I competed in. We met Dave before we were, 
we were semi known um, in England because of our YouTube channel. Uh, and I'm trying to think, but we never did any TV before that. Oh, we may have done games across America and some smaller uh, cable cable stuff in the old days when cable was very small. But um, but we had met him uh, back when he was at Turbulence. Wendy? I believe that was the name of his robot. I'm sorry, Dave, if I forgot your robot name back then. Uh, but but it was so weird that we met him. We knew him. Uh, we met a bunch of the British builders. It was awesome to go over there. Never wanted to do it again, but uh, but had a lot of fun. But once we uh, we got into this season and John setting up, I chatted with with Dave. And the funny thing is, Dave and I, I would I would ask a question. Okay, we're going up against this bot. How would you set it up? And I knew what my setup was going to be, but I wanted to know what the builder's setup was going to be. And surprisingly, our setups were almost always almost exactly the same. Um, so I felt I felt good. I felt I understood his robot, even though I hadn't even seen the ro I mean, touched the robot yet. Um, so yes, we did communicate and they did give pointers even at the event. Uh, since he was the builder and basically part of the team, we definitely discussed fights, upcoming fights. You know, if we had, you know, if, if we had, you know, any fights at this season, I definitely talked to him about them. <laughs> um, but uh, but the fun thing is, I'm I'm looking at his questions. How how different is it going going to be competing with someone else's bot? The at first it was. I didn't know what I didn't know. I mean, it was kind of like last year when I got on the Gigabyte team. I've been fighting Gigabyte for years. And literally, I think I've, our first fight was in 2004. Um, so I had been fighting John for many, many years. And I knew exactly how I would fight him. And I think, <laughs> I think John brought me onto his team because basically, I think we have the best record against him than any other builder. So why not get someone who understands how to fight you to put on your team so I could kind of give pointers of how to stay away from the downfalls of fighting robots like mine and other robots. So, so it was really interesting going from, you know, running his weapon, but but just not knowing the robot, I was scared I was going to drive crappy. I mean, I, I had never driven a vertical weapon. I had driven a drum. So I had a little bit of experience with Angry Asp with the gyroscopic effects, um, all that fun stuff about vertical spinners. But I had a slow spinner. And the funny thing is, as vertical spinners go, Cobalt is a slow spinner. So... It, it was almost like I trained to be the driver of Cobalt and uh, and didn't know it. So I was very apprehensive, but I knew their record that they build really good robots. And uh, so I knew with their tutelage and my experience, I, I thought I had a chance of doing good, but I was scared I was just going to be stupid out there. 
Yeah, a lot of people were saying, oh, you can just drive it like you stole it. But Matt's very responsibility-oriented. We both have a, a heavy responsibility gene. So I think he put a lot more pressure on himself. It, it It's like if you don't do well with your own robot, it's only yourself that's hurt by it. And that's not quite what I mean, but I think you get the idea. But if you're driving somebody else's robot and you don't do well with it, you feel like you've let them down as well as yourself. And wasted their money. Which makes sense. So he put a lot more pressure on himself than um, a lot of people were saying he needed to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, So another question that we have kind of related to Cobalt, uh, what modifications, if any, did you make to Cobalt this year? Well, this is the funny thing. Um, Dave and Sam did all the modifications. I don't know how closely people are, are, have followed what John did, but basically Dave and Sam rebuilt Cobalt. It used to be a two wheel, uh, two wheel drive, uh, vertical spinner with, just a couple front end setups and their front end setup that they used their little uh plow wedgelet i thought sucked because it came off on multiple uh fights and to me if you've got a wedge that thing's got to be destroyed before it comes off and it came off and i understand his build principle after talking to him that he would rather have something come off and be completely out of the way than have something get bent and be in the way. I understand that. But one of the things I was hyper worried about is I was worried about his front end geometry. It, the first robot or not the first robot, but the first version of cobalt was had a really steep front end. And then he had that little feeder wedgelet that went on the front of it. But when that wedgelet would come off, there were multiple fights where he never got another hit on because the other robot wouldn't climb up that steep wedge. So in the off season, Dave, they changed the geometry of the front. So the robot, the new robot that I got to drive had a, a, a lower angle of attack on the front wedge and they had multiple forks because everybody was going to forks and they had they had a few fork setups ready to go and there were changes the funny thing is on a new robot i'm not going to make changes to someone's design that that they just won a chinese championship they did pretty darn well in 2018 i think it was 1718, the first time the vertical cobalt came to BattleBots, they did good. I mean, they they put on a show, even though their record doesn't look as good as what I think it should have because of some of the the fights they lost for really poor reasons. But hey, that's that's the whole thing. That's the fun part of this sport, man. You either get beat by the judges or you get beat by the arena. Those are part of the competitors you have to fight. So because I hadn't touched the robot yet, just talking to him, seeing the CAD drawings that they had, um, I was like, oh, great. It looks like you've done some stuff I like. When I got the robot in my hand, it was literally 
I don't even think it was more than a, a month before the competition. And it was in Hayward. And I live in Sacramento, which is almost 100, 100 miles away. So we, we really, to make it a quicker answer, we made very few, if we didn't make any changes to the design of the robot, Dave and Sam upgraded that robot in a lot of the ways I would have had them do it if going from the first version to the second version. So Dave and Sam did all the work. I got the robot. We got one that was complete. When I looked at the inside of it, and can I just go right on to the build philosophy? I know that's one of the questions someone else asked. Sure. So we get this, we get this robot uh, delivered to Hayward, um, Chewy. Uh, he's the t one of the teammates that John brought in. Um, he's been doing so many robots over the years. He did, uh, oh, the Red Baron, which was a Snoopy doghouse with a flamethrower. He, he did the Count, which was a Dracula-type uh, robot that would come out of a coffin and had a flamethrower. He's been known for these, these art bots that were just really fun, and they work. He would build a strong base and work. And he, he does all these small weight class robots, rovers. He's got a, a YouTube channel. And I learned how to do some of the smaller robot stuff from him. So it was really great that John brought him in. But so the robots are at his shop in Hayward. We drive down there. Uh, that's when Scorpios did that, that video of John and Carol and Wendy and I and Chewie were there. And we saw the robot for the first time. And sorry, Dave and Sam, but my first instincts, my first impressions when they took the robot out of the box, I looked at it and I said, wow. What a ball of spaghetti. His wiring is a little, I'm kind of, I didn't realize this until I saw other robots, but there, I are, knew pe it. <laughs> there are people who are anal retentive when it comes to wiring. I'm not as bad as some people, but I like a very clean wiring job just because it makes it easier to work on, easier to tell where damage is. And it, I, I thought, wow, come on, guys. But on the same token, they knew they weren't fighting this robot. They put it together so it was operational for us. So I can't complain. But uh, the first thing was that. The other thing I didn't like is I find it highly funny. That's not the word I'm looking for, but funny that Dave Mould's favorite tool is a welder. And in his robot, he does all stitch welding and on one side of uh, like a, I, I just, I weld the bejesus out of everything. My robots are welded frames. I weld both sides. I chamfer deeply. I, I'm not a welder by trade, but I can stick metal together and I put weld. I mean, if it, if one bead's good, three beads is better. And so when I looked at it, I was like, wow, this thing needs a lot more welding on the inside. The, uh, so, so I thought, I I'm not real happy with the welds because they're not continuous welds from start to finish of the length of the, the bonding of the metal. But um, 
I figured these guys have fought these robots. They, uh, you know, they, they take a lot of damage and keep going. So maybe I overdo it in my build. So that was, that was my first impression. Um, wheels, their wheel mounts were a little light duty for what I believe in. But then again, I put my wheels on the outside of the robot, so they have to be tougher. Um, but uh, without saying anything about NDA stuff, the robot really held up better than I could have ever imagined. I mean, just those guys, Dave and Sam, designed an awesome, tough, easy to work on and and simple they did the kiss principle which is one of my design philosophies don't put stuff in the robot that it doesn't need and those guys didn't that robot was so simple was so you know you could look at it and i was able to kind of see how everything worked but i wanted to know how it went together so that was the next project when we when I left that day of uh, filming and meeting the robot with John and Chewy, I took an empty carcass home because one robot was done, one robot wasn't. Chewy helped me figure out what the wiring was. In fact, Chewy did all of the wiring diagram for me um, of how they wired it, and that's another thing Dave did. They had redundant systems. They had four wires feeding something that only needed two, but they ran in two different areas. And at first it was like, yeah, it's kind of redundant, but it's not. And by the time I was done building the second robot and I, I simplified the wiring a little bit, I then actually second-guessed myself at the competition and said, you know what? I actually like what Dave and Sam did. And, um, and we ended up, keeping most of their their redundancies but i just made the wiring look a little better because i took you know two weeks to to lay the robot wiring out as opposed to those guys putting it together and sending it to us um so yeah i didn't change anything but the robot is fully different than what you saw in the first version of cobalt's vertical uh spinner setup that's awesome. So basically, it was a redesign by them and a little QC by you, which I think is uh, that's a pretty good formula, really. Yeah, it, it it was kind of funny because I I knew going into this, those guys are going to make me look good if I do good. If I do good, it's not because of me. If that robot you know takes hits and dishes out hits, it's because of them. I just got lucky enough. Basically, John handed me a robot that had a track record of getting better every event it went to, and and I got put into it at the third version, and well, we'll see how it goes, but uh, yeah, those guys, there's a reason why they're champions in the UK and been doing the sport as long as we have, if not longer. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so last question from Alexander, are you planning to apply to season seven? I can say Cobalt will be there if they get accepted. John will definitely be be signing up um, as soon as it's open. We will apply. Um, I think there's a good chance the robot will be accepted. 
and what the team will look like is still yet to be seen. That's a very vague answer. Interesting. Interesting. All right. All right. So I wanted to move on to Andre Cruz. Um, so he has a few questions that you've kind of already covered, but um, here's one that I think is pretty interesting. Um, so uh, what is your favorite control bot you've seen slash fought with at BattleBots? I'm guessing this year, right? Like you got to fight a high power spinner. You're used to being a control bot driver. What was your favorite control bot at the event this year? Well, first off, let me say uh, hello to Chile. Uh, Andre is from Chile, it looks like. I don't know where he's living now, but uh, I, I saw the Chilean flag on his post. So I, I thought... Must be, yeah. You know, I figured, oh, South America, you know, the, 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 Brazilians, uh, the Brazilians love fighting robots. I guess they like fighting robots in Chile, so... Uh, I'm glad to answer his question. Um, now, the best control bot, or now it says my favorite. Yeah, what's your favorite? You know, and um, you put in at this event. True. <laughs> uh, I did the, add that. I, I have to admit, I'm kind of partial to Sewer Snake and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Stinger. Oh, well, um, yeah. But uh, uh, in the old days, I would say Dissector. Yeah. Um, I, you know, new control bots. Now, I love everything Jeff Vasquez does, uh, whether it be I love to fight him because I fought his kids and Jeff for so long. You can say kind of like Gigabyte. I know how to fight him. Um, not saying that uh, I'm always successful against their team, but, you know, the better you know people, I think that's why there's some builders who just own me because they know me and uh, they own me. So, uh, I, I, I don't know. I wasn't a fan of Tantrum, but listening to their podcast, and and looking at at uh, what they did last year, Tantrum is a pretty much a control bot. It they want to get out there. They want to put you where they want them, and then they're gonna do. They're gonna have their way with you. And because I always thought, oh, that that weapon is kind of a joke. And guess what? It's not. So, I mean, there's. <sighs> There's Ghost Raptor, there's the, there was, there was some control bots, but I feel really bad right now. There's Sawblaze, there's oh. Gruff. Sawblaze is one robot that if, if uh, I don't find the energy to stay in the sport much longer, Sawblaze is one fight I was most scared of and always wanted. I never fought Jameson Go. Never, not one event, unless I'm forgetting a bot that he was part of. Um, I don't think I ever fought him, especially not Sawblaze, but even back when I think he was tied to Overhaul, we never fought those guys. And and those were the quote-unquote MIT kids. I felt like I'm just a dumb plumber. I want to fight these smart guys and and do a, you know, show that a garage builder who's a plumber 
And guess what? There's more plumbers in the sport now. I love it. We're, we're multiplying. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. I think there's an, not just jackpot. There's another one. And I can't remember which robot builder I heard. I don't know if it was. I honestly can't remember now. But I think there was one or new, two robots that have plumbers on their team. And it's like, yes. But that's 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 getting sidetracked a little bit. But um, I, I guess I have to unwillingly say tantrum is is a a uh, a pretty pretty cool control bot that just in the in my early days when I looked at that when they first came on it I didn't think about them that much I thought you know what those are someone I'd like to fight but I didn't I didn't know if I ever would our trees never lined up so I I didn't really study them because I don't have the energy I used to to study every single bot at the competition. Nowadays, I I get a basic overview of how I might go after someone, and then I wait till I'm going to fight them and then fully focus on tactics, strategies, and setups. Um, so we have some great questions from Will Hahn. So I've heard through the grapevine that John got you out of retirement and back into the box. How did he do that? That is a great question, actually. How did he get you to come back? Well, um, that's kind of a funny question. Um, are we talking about to be on the Gigabyte team? And someone else asked, how was it like to drive Gigabyte? I never drove Gigabyte. You didn't drive Gigabyte. You operated the weapon, right? I did operate the weapon, and it was the most fun I had had at Robot Combat in a long time. Um, I took to that weapon like crazy. So... Uh, so it's kind of a funny story. John uh, said, hey, you're, you're not entering in last year's event. Why don't you come on be on my team? And it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And he threw out, hey, I might let you drive. I'll definitely let you do the weapon. But, you know, I've got some other people who have been on the team longer, so they might do some of it. But um, his partner, Mike, was, was operating the weapon in the beginning of the competition last year. And then he had to go home. And I got to get on the weapon, and we had some good success, and John kept me on the weapon. So had a, had a lot of fun doing that. But, uh, but when Cobalt came around, I was already on the team, thought I'd be going back as their weapon operator, tech guy in the pits, um, pit member uh, for this year. And John uh, basically called me up and said, hey, you know the robot Cobalt? And, um, you know, uh, what do you think about that robot? I'm, they, they aren't going to be able to make it. I might, I might be getting it. And in the, uh, the words of Morty, I said, John, you SOB, I'm in. <laughs> uh, that's all it was. I mean, he offered me a, a position to drive a robot um that was an awesome robot so it was like how did he get me is like uh he threw the offer out there and i said no you got me you can't get rid of me now so yeah he he called me up and it was like oh it's on now that's when i started watching videos of cobalt and and seeing things i didn't like and seeing things i loved and seeing how that thing's crazy <laughs> <laughs> But John, John had kind of gotten out of the sport for a while back in the uh, 
mid 2000s, late 2000s, early 2010s when his 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 kids were getting older, uh, you know, high school, a lot of things going on. Um, and in 2015, we got him tickets to come see one of the BattleBots tapings. It might have been the final day. I'm not sure. Yeah. And um, so he credits us with getting him back into the sport after he semi-retired. Um, so then when um, he got the feeling, you know, Matt wasn't going to be coming back anytime soon with Stinger, that's when he uh, recruited him to be on the team, on the Gigabyte team in 2020 um, and come down and help uh, drive the weapon and work the pits. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really glad that he did that. Um, so Will also writes, as a fellow Sacramento na- native, I feel so lucky to have such a legendary team to root for from my hometown. Thanks for making the city proud. Um, that's just too wholesome not to include. Um, so I wanted to move on to a question from Mario Cast. Um, he asked a lot of questions. A lot of it we've already covered here. Uh, but this is number five. And this is for both of you. Um, so will you guys be designing and building a new full-size combat bot in the future? And would your, um, what would your dream fighting bot build be if you had unlimited cash flow? You want me to go first, hon? Go for it. Okay. To be honest, I am still partial to Sewer Snake. Um, it just exemplified my thoughts about combat robot and it, it because i like going in kind of as the underdog because you i still to this day people i mean it's the only negative comments we get on our youtube videos or any videos battlebots has is like oh you need to armor your tires oh you need to uh get better tires they come off and the funny thing is is I have very few fights that my drive system has fell to the point of the bots not driving. Um, You want to talk about redundancy, I've got six wheels and I only need two of them. And the two in the middle really have never, I've only lost the either of the two middle tires on either side in one or two fights over all of the combat we've ever seen. Um, and it may actually be one fight. We we damaged a center tire, but it didn't come off and it didn't stop working. So there's, there's a difference there. Um, so I like that people think we're the underdog. And it was one of the things that John used to hate because we would go to Robo Games and Dave would do this to us. There was at least one or two competitions where, where Megabyte, and Sewer Snake were the first fight of the competition and ended up being the last fight of the competition because one of us would win. Actually, sorry, John. I beat him in the first round. And then we'd meet. He'd go through the loser's bracket. I'd go through the winner's bracket. And then we'd meet in the final. And people, we could hear fans walking around the the box at RoboGames because it's such a smaller event going, Oh man, Megabyte's just gonna tear him a new one. And John just would would duck his head and 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 shake his head because he knew there was a pretty good chance I was going to beat him. And the reason I got good fighting bots like Shredderator, 
and and Gigabyte is if they lose the fight, they have to recharge their batteries. If I lose the fight, I have to rebuild my robot. So I had more incentive to win the fight and as carefully as I could because even if I won the fight, I could still have hours and hours of repairs. So they taught me how to fight full body horizontal spinners is him and and shredderator and there's a few other horizontals that sorry guys i can't remember every horizontal i ever fought but but taught me how Last to fight tombstone <laughs> but i never met tombstone till 2010 i mean we never fought in the arena before 2010 we were in the sport for 10 years before ray and i met in the box yeah but then we met all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Yep. Yeah. One of the uh, one of the things about um, if we if we ever had unlimited funds and came back into the sport, we'd need to find a, a teammate who Matt could work with to actually do CAD and um, have a lot of sewer snake stinger. Um, cat it up because one of the nice things that we we learned working on the gigabyte team um after the copperhead fight when the mast broke or the the spindle for the mast broke um john had a machine shop machine and send him a new spindle which dropped in so beautifully and everything lined up and it was wonderful and one of the things about being a garage builder is every single piece has been handmade. Right. Uh, so the the top plates, there's no there's no consistency on anything. And to do BattleBots nowadays, you really have to have everything be completely modular, replaceable. Um, one part fits another part fits another part. Otherwise, it just there's no way to do it. <laughs> So I wanted to move on to some questions from uh, Mammoth team member Brandon Bennett Young. Um, he said, it's great seeing the, uh, you both be active in the robot scene again. Many people grew up watching Sewer Snake, and I'm a big fan of your whole crew of bots. Um, so here's an interesting one. What are some differences you notice in the atmosphere of BattleBots versus Robo games? Oh, the, it's it's a big difference. It's funny. Um, it's Mammoth. Yeah. <laughs> um, Robo Games. Here's an example. In 2005, which was one of our best years ever, we fought in the Combots Cup. The Combots Cup was the heavyweight, but we had three weight classes of robots there. We had four robots. We had a heavyweight, two middleweights, and a, and a lightweight. And we had a team member, James Arlick, who was on the uh, Yeti team. He's been on Scorpios. James Arlick has been in the sport as long, maybe actually longer than Wendy and I have. We met him in uh, the first uh, Las Vegas Robo Joust that we went to. Uh, him and Greg, we met there. But James Arlick was actually driving my middleweight angry ass because I couldn't necessarily drive two robots if we met in the arena. And so in three days, our team had 21 fights in three days. 
that was a mixture of heavyweight fights, two middleweight bots, and a lightweight bot. And James helped with pitting. So we had a bigger team, but really it was it was that many fights. That's what, seven plus fights a day. And when when you go to BattleBots, it's a fight every day, every other day until the end. And even in the end, you at most are going to have three fights in one day, which it's normally two fights. So the fights are less hectic. You have more pit time, but you're always, there's so much more to interviews. They're, they're, they want to talk to you. The, the production crew want to know where you're at, when you can fight, the inspections before the fights, you have four or five different places you have to go and things to be inspected and checked. Whereas RoboGames, you come in with a working robot, you, the tech inspector looks at it head to toe, um, they put it either a wheels up test, which basically shows, yes, the robot goes forward and backwards and turns um, because they don't have usually don't have the same test arena. Um, so they do a wheels up test, uh, uh, a functionality with your weapon, either your weapon belt off, showing that it works, showing that the fail safes work. Whereas in BattleBots, your, you do your tech inspection, you do your safety inspection, you do your battery inspections, you do your functionality inspection and test. It's just a lot more drawn out, a lot more. I don't want to say it's it's more uh, technical or anything because you have very experienced builders, whether it's at RoboGames or at BattleBots, checking your robots, but it's a, a little different atmosphere. You are responsible for your robot to work correctly in the box when you're told to fight. At RoboGames, basically... Your robot has to be working, and if you get in the box and it doesn't work, they don't say, okay, we're going to take you out, get it fixed, and bring you back and fight later. You fight or forfeit. So you're very, it's, it's, a, it's a more, it's intense atmosphere, but laid back. The builders are more laid back. You're not worried about production people's getting you ready 15 hours early for your fight and having your robot ready at a certain time, and then you have to go sit, and you can't work on it because you've been through your weigh-in and inspection, but now we're still not going to fight for three hours. So there's a big difference in where the the high intensity comes from at, at RoboGames and live events. The intensity is just keeping your robot running, getting it ready for the fight, getting it in the arena, winning or losing, and fixing it. Um, at BattleBots, it's more the the uh, the background stuff, the stuff between the fights, because every fight you have to get some sort of inspection, a functionality where you run the robot in the test box, you do your batteries, you do your weigh-in. Um, there's so many things leading up to the fight, and then you get over to the box. And you sit in the uh, the arena area for anywhere from 15 minutes to three hours. Um, and then you're 
you do the introductions that are a lot longer. Uh, they talk about the robots. They talk about the teams. They do the color commentary. So there's a lot of hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. And then it's a spectacular extravaganza. When you're in the box, the lights are flashing. Everybody's in their costumes, which I don't really, I'm not a big fan of. I mean, we always have our team shirts and stuff, but some teams go hyper shockingly overboard. But, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's more of the TV show is an extravaganza. The live events are your best friends, your people you haven't seen for a few months that are just, hey man, it's awesome to see you again. Let's go rip it up in the box and bam, 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 three days. You are dead tired and you're done. BattleBots is two weeks plus, and you're just as tired three days in. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> um, all right, so one quick question from another quick question from Brandon Bennett Young. Uh, were you able to stop by the free shipping pit? You know, uh, people who know me really realize when I am at an event, I am there to fight robots. I'm antisocial. It was so funny listening to Shay Waffles from Jackpot um, talk about how she's kind of has some social anxieties. I never realized it was social anxieties. I just, I'm nervous around people. I don't, the only time I'm comfortable around people is when we're talking about robots. And yeah, you're talking about robots, but it's, it's kind of different when you don't know the people. Um, it's, but, uh, but the quick answer is no, I didn't see their pit. I was in my pit. I was eating or I was in my hotel room sleeping. That's, that's how my event was. So you missed out on the slushies. I did get over to the free shipping pit. I got a chance to uh, play the ball grab, uh, machine i didn't get a slushy but uh they they had a heck of a setup over there good i'm glad and uh, another quick question for you guys would you be interested in attending more local competitions with smaller weight with smaller weight robots you know my philosophy about robots and here's something people may not know about us uh we did one one pound robot now we've had some some uh, side bots. What do they call them? Uh, the we did uh, fl- mini bots. Yeah, the mini bots. We did Flicker the Fire Ant uh, on 2016, um, which was that's what the team members that came onto the team they built it and ran it. Um, I I have a pretty simple philosophy. If it won't fit a mag motor, I won't build it. But uh, but we did build a single one pound robot. We called it pocket sewer snake and uh and since it was a one pounder it was an ant so we called it piss ant p-s-s ant (laughs) okay that's funny (laughs) and it didn't have a mag motor on it and it rapidly uh drove itself out of the arena a couple of times and it then it got shelved (laughs) yeah yeah still out there somewhere all right so we've got a question from bloodsport team member nick buckholtz um, who writes, you both have been an inspiration for countless new builders coming into the sport. What bot slash teams have shown up since your hiatus that stand out to you? 
And which ones would you most like to fight, either with Stinger or with Cobalt? Wendy, you talk about the bots that have shown up because you're you're better at that. Um. Okay, bots that have shown up since our hiatus. Um, the the two that jump to mind immediately because I don't know quite how we'd fight them, and it, but it'd be fun to try our huge and mammoth just because they're huge and mammoth, um, and they're so unusual, and sometimes. Just something that's different. We got uh, toward the end of our run with Sewer Snake. It seemed like every competition, we'd meet Last Rites. We'd meet Gary Jinn and Original Sin. Uh, you, you started get, seeing the same bots over and over again. So um, there are some very, very unique bots out there nowadays that would be fun to fight. Um, Matt mentioned earlier Sawblaze. Um, that'd be both fun and terrifying fight because... Jameson's such a good driver, and but you also see some things that you can possibly take advantage of if you got in the arena with him. I'm not going to mention what they are. You never know when you're going to meet him. Um, oh, there there were some uh, deep six is another one that just trying to visualize some of the robots that are out there. Um, another unusual huge spinner that's. Um, kind of not sure how you'd handle him, but it'd be fun to try um, in a strange, twisted way. Uh-oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't uh, think of it. The Deep Six? Yeah. So, so uh, first off, thank you, Nick, for the kind words and the, that, that were inspirational. It's so funny. I never really see myself as that. I just see myself as a a guy who likes building and breaking toys. I mean, I've done it my entire life. I used to break Tonkas. I built uh, Lego machines and and off-road vehicles out of Lego, and I would just break them or burn them up. Who knows? You know, that whole pyro thing started young. But uh, but uh, you guys, Nick, uh, Bloodsport, holy moly. Um, you guys, that... that horizontal spinner top spinner you guys are in not a large line of bots but a legendary line of bots i mean hazard he was the toughest horizontal top mounted bar spinner for years um you know brutality was another one that came out there and you know perfect phoenix he he hasn't had the luck that that uh, that brutality had, but you know those are the kind of bots. My record against horizontal spinners like that is one and one. Um, and uh, you guys had done some really, really cool stuff with Bloodsport. Oh, another one that comes to mind is Uppercut. That that thing packs such a punch. It, it'd <laughs> be interesting to to get in the arena with that one. Yeah, I, I tell you, I don't have enough experience with Cobalt to really know. Well, I don't know if this is going to be tied to another question. Something I realized at this event was I found myself driving Cobalt exactly. And I mean exactly the same way I drove Sewer Snake. That may sound weird, but... Sewer Snake basically 
I want to get under the opponent. Cobalt, you have to get under the opponent to raise them up to how high that weapon is. And so I learned really quick, you run into the robot. If with Sewer Snake, if I got under them, I would instantly start pushing because I wanted to drive them up as far up my weapon as I could. You know what? I found Cobalt was the same way. If I got under them, I wanted them to get up that up the, the front end and get into that weapon, whether it was a single hit or driving someone across the arena. It was it it is so weird how I I I sat down and I was thinking about fighting. I go, okay, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? And it's like, I'm driving sewer snake. It just, there's a different outcome or a quicker, more violent outcome. But, uh, but uh, I really found quickly that I thought there would be more differences in driving it. Cause everyone, you know, I've watched, I've watched vertical spinners and, as a control bot, as a, a lifter bot, I know exactly what I would do to a vertical spinner. You drive to their side and make them turn because you can turn faster than they can. Well, one of the things that people don't understand about Cobalt, and I'm not going to go too deeply into it, is it's got a slow spinner compared to a lot of people. And I discussed this with, with Dave and his philosophy is real similar to what my philosophy was with my designs of Angry Asp is I don't want to hit them. I don't want that weapon spinning so fast. I can say it's got five kajillion kilojoules of energy because there's part of the kilojoule of energy aspect that a lot of builders forget to add into the equation. And that is time. Time if you it, 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 if you can't impart all of your stored energy in the millisecond your tooth is touching that other robot, you're not going to hit them that hard. And Dave's philosophy was with me. If you're spinning slower, you have less energy. But if you can get deeper into the other guy, you're going to depart more of that energy. And looking at their first season and looking at their fights in China, Dave knew what he was talking about. And he put some hurt on people. And Cobalt really was a lot more stable to drive. I'm not saying I didn't get it on two wheels, but I was worried I wasn't driving too well until I was uh, looking at what happened in the fight. Uh, because we were able to see the fights we fought while they were up on the screen. And uh, the robot lifted a little bit. And within, uh, you know, uh, oh, a short learning curve, I learned how to adjust for that. So it was really cool that I could drive that robot like it was Sewer Snake. And uh, it still worked, even though it's a vertical spinner. I think I got sidetracked from his his question, but uh, yeah, Nick's robot, that thing, we I was scared to fight him, but I do have a I do have a a, a plan. Um, if we ever get into the into the fight against them, whether it was Sewer Snake, Stinger, or Cobalt, uh, I definitely have a plan for them. Um, but it still it still starts a little bit with the ground game. 
but it's not a hundred percent ground game. And that's, uh, I think some people get too dependent on the ground game. Um, I think that's why we're having this, uh, Oh God, I guess I can't really say it, but it's the, 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 the spikes of oblivion, uh, attachments that, you know, the never ending spike. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that, uh, it is fork gate coming this year. We're all looking forward to it. All right. I'm going to hand you over to Lindsay. She has some more listener questions for you. So take it away, Lindsay. Hello, everyone. How are you? Hi, Lindsay. Oh, Lindsay. I didn't think I was going to get to talk to you. Here I am. I hope you're doing well. <laughs> I'm doing great. It's uh, been fun listening to you so far. And we've got about seven listener questions left. So we can like speed round this. Make sure we get to everyone. Um, and so the first one is from <laughs> Good luck, <laughs> Mad Catter Driver and Links Builder, Calvin Eba. Uh, and he has two design-related questions. So the first is, uh, with regards to Cobalt, how does their building style compare to yours? Well, um, where they are similar is we both like to keep it simple, stupid. Um, they definitely... They definitely have a simple robot and I'm they're they're definitely a tank whereas I'm a uh I don't know I guess it doesn't look like it but I'm more of a spider. I've got wimpy little tires on my design that look look uh uh easily chewable but like I used to say um, if I do my job, you're only going to see one side of my robot. If you do your job, I will uh, need every tire replaced. So that's one difference because they are an armored turtle with a, they're like an armored snapping turtle. I mean, it, it almost works backwards of a snapping turtle because, but when it bites, you know it. Um, but they're armored. Uh, yeah, so they, they are they are an armor bot. I'm a uh, beat their fist with my face builder. That that's the big difference. Getting into the their build philosophy and working on their robot, it was awesomely simple and knocking not not pat myself too hard on the shoulder, but I quickly found some of their secrets for like one person changing their weapon out in like five minutes, eh, maybe 15 minutes. Um, there's some really neat tricks of putting their belts on with the weapon safety engaged. It's self-supporting. It lines everything up. And I was able to get the dual belt system on quickly their belt tensioner, you, you do a quarter turn and tighten it and it's done. Um, so yeah. And Chewy found out you could replace the front tire on the gear head, which there's absolutely no room in that bot to get that tire off. And with all the wiring running over the top of that motor from the battery box and speed controllers, he was able to get that tire changed without removing the wiring system, without removing the on-off switches. So they had a plan. Um, 
Unfortunately, their, their repair tricks, we had to learn on the fly, but between Chewy and Brent and I and Wendy, we figured them out. Um, it, it, uh, it was, it's an, it was an awesome bot to not know what I didn't know about it in before the competition and figuring it out. And that bot was ready to go all the time. I mean, I love when, when the, uh, when that's amazing. Yeah. When the, the production people would come by and say, you know, when, when can you be ready? And I would make them mad. Cause I'd say, when do you want us? And, and they, they wouldn't know because they're so used to hearing four hours, three hours. <laughs> she would say, she would finally say, okay, well, we need you by four 30. And I'd go, oh, I can't do that. I'll be ready at three 30 and both robots are ready now. So let's go. <laughs> wow. Producer's dream. <laughs> so we had fun with the, the production people, uh, you know, kind of messing with them, but it, it was great because I, I, pride myself on being ready to fight when they want us to fight and cobalt was easy to keep it running what a learning experience i mean you know that's that's incredible um so all right we have a a really good question here um about the sports meta and it, it comes from andrew freitag um and i think this is a question you know a lot of people have been mulling over for a while um so with destructive weaponry being so commonly used nowadays due to the field getting more and more competitive and more and more destructive do you think control bots will eventually be phased out or will the defensive designs always have a place in combat robotics? Come on, look at my robots. I've had one spinner in my entire career of building robots. Uh, yes, I have a, a, uh, darn it. See, half the time I can't remember English. I believe you have to have rock, scissor, paper, rock, scissor, paper, lizard, Spock in this sport. Um, it's not NASCAR. We aren't all running the same car. We aren't all have the exact same specs to live by. I like a loose rule. I don't care how strong their weapon is. I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of, of tech inspectors and safety people saying, okay, you can only go this mile per hour. You can only go this RPM. It can only weigh this much. I'm happy if a person wants to put a 150-pound wep weapon bar on their 250-pound robot because you know what? It's going to do more damage to them than it's going to do to me if I do my job right. So I think there's always going to be builders willing to take on the challenge of you're this big, nasty, mean spinner. N nobody wants to fight me. I think I heard Ray say that once. And it's like, Ray, I want to fight you more than I want to fight Original Sin because I don't like fighting razor blades because I can't sharpen wedges as good as Gary can. So, uh, or free shipping, sorry. <laughs> but, but yes, I, I believe you're never going to have a one robot competition. Builders will never do that. You're going to have competitors that want to win and they're going to take the meta design. British, they had flippers upon flippers upon flippers upon flippers. We had, you know, in the early days, one hit wonders. 
Now we've got nasty, high kinetic, high RPM, verticals, horizontals, wide drums, narrow drums, bars. Your builders are never going to fall to one design because there is not a perfect design. And the challenge of some people is, Ray, is to get the biggest hit in, in that he can. Some people are, uh, I want the fastest spinner so I can do a inverted barrel roll and come out and knock the guy six feet, 10 feet, 20 feet in the air. I want to be the guy that is the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man that goes out and fights these guys. So there's always going to be be people who have to win by control or using the arena. It's a matter of finding a way to build a control bot that also has a weapon, uh, since BattleBots requires weapons. So um, it's just some people, it takes a little bit of time. It, it, a lot of people say not having a spinning weapon, it's, it's so much easier to build a wedge robot. Well, to build a good wedge robot that also has um, some sort of acceptable movable weapon is kind of tricky. Um, and making it durable and reliable and not boring and all that sort of stuff. So I think it'll happen. It just might take a little time. Yeah, I I, uh, I truly believe it takes all kinds of bots <laughs> to, to make the world go around. So um, I, I, I personally believe there's room for everything. And, uh, you know, I, I love control bots, so I, maybe I'm partial, but... Well, then we love you. <laughs> Yay. Um, so we, we have a question here from Joshua Allman, who has a good question about Cobalt. He wants to know, um, the ground game was Cobalt's Achilles heel in 2019, back when the floor was a little bit different. Um, so what changes did y'all make to improve Cobalt's ground game this season? Well, we can't talk a lot about it, but I didn't do a damn thing to make their ground game better but dave and sam did <laughs> and that robot has a well looks to be a great ground game it is still we'll figure out how good it is once we see what happens oh i can't wait to see we got a whole box full of stuff from them in the crate oh a whole bunch of goodies yep yep <laughs> all right leaving that mysterious i like it i like it um so drew willis asks was it nerve-wracking when you were driving easily one of the most powerful verts this year um let's just say it was i am most comfortable when the box is locked the lights are on and it's go time once the clock is ticking i I'm in a different world. It's it, it, it's really true what they say is the world kind of slows down. And during a fight, the slower the fight is happening in my mind, the better and probably more successful I'm doing. Um, if the bot if if the fight is going really fast and and it's just uncontrollable, it usually means I'm messing up. So with NDAs and stuff, the stress was before. The stress came the night before when I knew who my competitor was going to be. 
And I had to figure out what my setup was going to be. And if Dave's strategies were going to work, if I agreed with them, um, if I would be able to implement them. But, um, but once you're fighting, at least for me, once I'm in the box driving the robot, it's, it's the reason I stayed in the sport as long as I did. And it's the reason I came out of retirement because knowing I got to drive something and even though the rest of the building, the money, all that stuff wasn't my requirement and my responsibility, it, it was great knowing I was going to be able to go in there and drive a robot. And I will say this. I had the best seat in the house, the entire arena, the stands. I had the best seat in the house for my fights. And you'll see what I mean. Oh, no, all the mystery. <laughs> That's all I can say. Oh, all right. Well. I don't know how patient I can be, but I will, uh, I'll respect your NDA. <laughs> so we have a question here from Christopher Spears. How did it feel to come back fully and with two bots also with helping so many other teams? I mean, you must've been very busy. It was great having two robots. I came from the old school where you would show up with a robot and you could have as many spare parts as you wanted, but we never had more than one sewer snake or a robot in a competition. After the second season of ABC, I realized if I was going to stay in the sport, I would have to have at least three sewer snake, three stingers done. Um, and multiple, multiple sets of implements. And being a garage builder that isn't a CAD, CADed robot, um, I never I knew I couldn't do that. And I didn't have the ability to put a team together that could do that for Stinger. Um I I just I don't well play well with others. Wendy and I are great. It's mostly because I own the warehouse, the, the shop. I can make decisions at two, three o'clock in the morning to completely change the design. That being said, having two robots done that were really tough robots that had a, a record of being able to go deep in competitions, it was great. Being kind of in charge of the team because that was one of the things I told John coming into it. Um, it was one of the things that for my detriment, for better or worse, I want to be in charge of the robot. Um, when I was on Gigabyte's team, I got sidetracked. I got, I got thrown into something that I didn't feel comfortable in the beginning. But within a few fights of Gigabyte's, I kind of took over pit, the, the pit. Uh, repairs on on Gigabyte, um, at least overview and working on. I'm just that much of a type A builder. So with Cobalt, I wanted to be in charge for two reasons. One, I didn't know the robot. So if 
too many people were working on the robot, I wouldn't know if something was wrong because I wouldn't know what right was supposed to look like. So because I was learning the robots kind of at the competition, Chewy was really good about letting me kind of go at my pace. And they were so great. Him and Brent and even the Oxalotl guys would, would help when needed. But I am so used to working by myself that if I know it's, if I did it, I know it's done to the way I want it done, right or wrong. But I'm the one that's going to be driving it in the box that's going to be on display. And if it fails in the arena, John owns the robot. I'm driving it. If it fails in the arena, it's my fault. And that's, that's where I think I put a lot of stress on myself because I didn't want to let the team down. I didn't want to let John down. I didn't want to let Dave and Sam down. Um, so I think I went overboard on controlling everything that was done on the robot because that was like the only way I felt comfortable. But as we got further into the competition, Chewie and Brent proved they were great teammates. They were able to do things when I just couldn't. I got sick at the event. Uh, they did the hardest rebuild and they got it done. I mean, it was, it was unbelievably how those guys would step up, even though I was a tyrant on wanting things done specific certain ways. So it was great having two robots. It was great being able to build one of them from the ground up by myself so I knew the robot as well as I could, but I still didn't know how to repair it. And that was the learning experience with a great team and a great bot. So it, it was awesome. It was an awesome experience overall. Yeah, I don't think this competition, Matt did a whole lot of helping out other people. Um, we were pretty busy most of the competition. Um, but I, I know at a lot of other competitions, he, he spends a lot of time, you know, working with other people in other pits, especially if, if you get kicked out of a competition early, um, he's there helping out all sorts of people. So it, it's just part of the, you know, anytime you can get your hands in somebody else's robot, you can also learn a lot. So it's part of the joy. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that makes this sport so special. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. That and the fact that everybody wants to help everybody else out because you want to fight a good robot. You don't want to go into a fight, you know, fighting somebody who's crippled. So, yeah, you want to you, you help out whenever you can. That's a it's a beautiful thing and not, not something you necessarily see in every other sport. Um, so there are some questions here from Jesse Mallon and from Matt Hedger, but we actually, actually, uh, already touched on them. So I am going to send you our very last question. Um, and this one comes from Mike Strapkovic Jr. Who runs the excellent Mr. Psycho channel on YouTube. Um, and this is a fun question. What has been your favorite, favorite robot fight you've ever been a part of? It's an easy question, but it's a hard question. When you've been in a sport for almost 20 years, you forget more than I remember. But 
I this is not going to be really quick. So sorry, people, you want to hear it. You're going to have to listen for a while. But <laughs> there are probably three or four fights that are just highly memorable in my mind. And I know Wendy has a few of her own, but one of my early career fights that was so fun. And I, I don't know if you, I didn't have your email address, but I sent them to Kyle links to a fight sewer snake had with the swarm. And yes, this is pre battle bots. Um, and I was fighting the swarm, which fought in battle bots as a super heavyweight. It was three robots. One of them was a miniature nightmare driven by Jim Smentowski. One of them was a wedge bot driven by Stephen Felk. And anybody who is a fan of robot combat for any amount of time knows Stephen Felk is a god. And Wendy and I just love Stephen to death. Uh, he's probably one of the builders I talk to, well, used to talk to more than anybody. I just, he gets me invigorated into the sport. He has been a cheerleader for robot combat forever. So he had a bot. And I can never remember the last guy's name, but there was a little boxy invertible uh, boxy wedge. And we fought those guys. And it literally was the second or third competition we had been to. I was fighting three robots that added up to one and a half times my weight and broke their spinner, controlled them. And at one point during this fight, Sewer Snake has all three of the other robots piled up and I'm pushing them across the arena into the, the wall on the other side. And you can just hear the crowd screaming on the video. And after that, I ended up picking up sewer, uh, uh, Stephen Felk's robot called Mosquito. It's a smaller version of one he fought, I think at BattleBots. Picked it up on the nose of Sewer Snake, lifted it up, like a waiter carrying a, a plate of dishes and threw them over the wall. It was the first time I ever knew the robot could pick up a robot and throw it out of the arena. And I just, it was like all of my dreams come true in one of my early fights. Um, Cause we had seen the swarm fight at BattleBots on, on comedy central at uh, treasure Island saw two really good fights with that team. I mean, I've never been a big fan of multi-bots. I like them because I like to fight them because, Hey, I like fighting middleweights with a heavyweight, but, uh, but that fight was one I, I just love the video quality is so old school Sony high eight, but it just has memories because it was fighting two of the legends of the sport in one fight that I am a complete and total South Park newbie rookie and I throw them out of the arena. So it's like, sweet, I think I can do this. Um, the next fight that is highly memorable is the 2005 Combots Cup, which was the first Combots Cup ever. It was the biggest money prize in robot history since BattleBots. And I got to fight another legend, Donald Hudson. And we actually fought him twice in that event. We fought him in an early round that he was owning me. And one of the things I love about this sport is you can be losing a fight the entire three minutes 
or say two and a half minutes, you can be losing a fight for two and a half minutes and then throw them out of the arena and win by knockout. We threw them out of the arena, won by knockout our first fight. So we went through the winner's bracket in the Combots Cup. He went through the loser's bracket. And guess what? We met again in the finals. Some people probably know this story, but we fought in the finals. Well, I learned a little bit in my first fight against him. So this fight was people even talking to the judges. It was tied. He would go in and attack on me, push me towards the wall. Right before he got to the wall, I'd spin off. I'd grab, I would, I also learned to go right into his, into his mouth. He was fighting a robot called Carcass that was similar to Dissector. It had a, a jaw, uh, a, a mouth on the front of it that could close up people. And it had forks that stuck out. So in the first fight, I kept getting stuck on these forks and he would just tool me around the arena and just show off until he had to let go of me. Um, so in the second fight, in the, for the final of Combat's Cup, I would drive right down his throat, just my forks right into his jaw and, uh, and he'd bite me. And then because I had a powered lifter, which is not always a lifter, sometimes it's a, a roll people over, I push the forks down, he rolls up on two wheels, gets afraid that I'm gonna flip him upside down, he'd let go of me. So it looked like I was in control, but this fight was still, I'd do something to him and it would be a halfway good attack. He'd attack me, I'd escape. And it was just back and forth the entire three minutes. Well, when they started doing the 10 count at the end of the fight, Donald thought, yeah, I won this fight. And he drove back to his, his starting point. Well, at eight seconds, he's driving towards his, his uh, um, starting point. To me, the fight's not over until they hit zero and the red light comes on. I ran up, got under him, under his butt, took him to the wall behind his square, flipped him up on upside down on the wall. When they hit the three count, they counted him out to the three count, which isn't a knockout because the 10 count never started, but he never got off the wall before the end of the fight. And the judges gave it to me because of that last attack. And you can argue all you want that you can't win a fight in the last second. You can win a fight, blah, blah, blah. If it goes to judge's decision, they pick the winner, not me, not the opponent. And they, thank God, picked me. And we won the first Tombots Cup and took home a $10,000 prize. And it, it was awesome. But what was more awesome about that entire event is we, again, had three weight classes of robots. We had the heavyweight sewer snake fighting in the Combots Cup. We had Devil's Plunger and Angry Asp in the, in the middleweights. And Wendy was with Wipeout number two in the, or yeah, Wipeout number two in the lightweight class. And before the final, first final fight started, Team Plum Crazy, Wendy, James Arluck, and, and I had four robots sitting on a single cart because we only had one cart for my team. And all four of our robots were in the three weight classes we were in in the final fight. That is one of the most memorable nights of my life because 
We won the Combots Cup. We won the middleweight contest. We got second place in the middleweight contest. And Wendy got first or second in the lightweights. Second place. And that was 2005. And I think that was when a lot of builders took notice of us. And I didn't realize that was special. But at the point, I mean, if I'm not in the finals, I feel I failed at a competition. So I have kind of higher standards. I like winning because you get to keep playing. But that was a highlight for me. And since I drug those out, I'm probably not going to think of the 15 other highlight fights I have. And I'm going to hand it over to Wendy. Well, one other highlight fight with Sewer Snake was the uh, 2011 Robo Games, which was um, filmed for a Discovery Channel show, also um, Killer Robots. And the final was Sewer Snake versus Last Rights. And Last Rights comes out and his bar's not spinning. And you get both the, oh, wow, we could win this fight. But also, it's not going to be any fun because Last Rites has got to have the bar spinning. And Sewer Snake gets under and pushes into the wall, and suddenly the bar starts spinning again. Then it's just, it's on. And there, there's one time when um, I'm filming the fight, and Last Rites comes helicoptering towards the door, and it, it's just wild. There's tires flying around. There's fire because Sewer Snake has a flamethrower at that time. And it was just a crazy fight and little, little bit of a, a slow fight toward the end because both robots were just damaged and uh, not running real well. He had taken out one of our back tires and the, the chain had bound up the, the drive on one side. So it would run for a while and then it stopped running. And then it, it was, it was a lot of fun, but it, um, that, that fight stands out in my mind. Um, and then with my, the robots, I, I got to drive Wipeout number, uh, Wipeout and Pipe Wench were my robots and Pipe Wench, um, in, I don't know what year it was, but, um, took Piranha and put him over the wall one time, um, took Beer Bash and put him over the arena wall. Um, those were fun times. The Piranha fight though. She flipped him at least 10 or 12 times. I mean, it just, wow! it was an awesome display of, he would run right up pipe wench. She'd lift him, almost do a pirouette. The robot would be up on the arm and flipped over backwards. I mean, it looked like she was just playing jujitsu on, on, uh, on Jim who drove that, that bot him and him and Gary Jin did that piranha, which was, uh, similar bot to uh, Devil's Plunger. So I'm glad I didn't fight Devil's Plunger when Wendy was fighting Pipe Wench because she probably would have kicked my butt. <laughs> well, there was also one uh, one memorable competition that we had it, for me was um, West Coast Robotics inaugural event. I don't remember the year off the top of my head, um, but this was, they had the maximum lightweight, 60 pounders was the maximum they fought. So we had Wipeout number two, which Matt was a rebuild of the original Wipeout. So he drove the original Wipeout that we called Wiped Out. And then I drove Wipeout number two. And I beat him the very first fight of the competition, threw him in the loser's bracket. He had 
like seven fights, seven or eight fights to get back into the finals where we met again and I beat him again. So <laughs> in our two fights we've ever fought in competition. Amazing. I beat him. I, I don't think about those fights because they keep me up at nighttime. And yet I still have managed to be the one who gets to do the dishes. Oh, no. <laughs> well, what a wealth of knowledge and experience and joy both of you are. It has been so great talking to both of you, Matt and Wendy. We are so looking forward to seeing Cobalt in the Battle Box very soon and uh, get answers to all those mysteries you left open during this, uh, <laughs> this chat. Thank you so much. Hey, I, I have to admit, this season... And I'm not talking about our fights. I'm talking about the fights in general are crazy. There is so much carnage. Um, if you like damage and you like spinners, there is damage. There is fire. It it really was. And and I can't wait till it shows up because when you're at the competition, you don't see half of what's going on. And I only remember about half of my fights that I was fighting while my bot was in the arena. So it will be really cool to see the, the production's view of the fights that we were fighting and we were watching live. Um, it's, it's really going to be crazy, crazy good season. Um, yeah, crazy. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> It's going to be a fun show. And thanks for finally inviting us on. I've been listening to you guys for a long time. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you listened. And we have absolutely loved having you on. And if we, uh, as, as you do the season, as we watch it, you know, when and if we get kicked out of the competition, we'd love to come back and can chat about more stuff about Cobalt and things that may or may not have happened. You know, the stuff like static electricity and all that fun stuff. But uh, <laughs> no, I'd love to come back and talk about the, the fights because, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week we are traveling to Loveland, Colorado, where one family built their city's coolest Halloween display, a robotic arm that launched candy to the crowd at the push of a button. The family installed a six-axis robotic arm in their garage and then gave it a lightsaber. A real one. A real one. A, literally a real, real lightsaber which it could swing around in the air uh, before launching candy to delighted kids. It, imagine a robot version of like that uh, kid who went viral 20 years ago or 15 years ago, the lightsaber kid. Yeah. 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 Imagine that. Deep cuts. Well, I mean, that was like one of the OG viral videos. I mean, I'm not 39 old, but I'm old. Oh Luke. my God. Wow. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> Uh, Lindsay, first of all, this robotic arm obviously is well practiced in the art of Jim. So the highly offensive, uh, dark side lightsaber combat technique, uh, I cannot believe you compared it to the lightsaber kid 
from the internet of like our college years. Yeah, I mean, that, that kid was like a Darth Maul lightsaber, right? You know, it's sad watching this video. General Grievous has fallen on some hard times. <laughs> <laughs> He's just slinging candy now. <laughs> uh, well, they said that after Halloween, this robot, they planned uh, to bring it back to their family-run business, Complete Solutions Robotics. So really, at the end of the day, this is just a marketing plug. Interesting. Smart. Smart. I Okay, uh, best Halloween display that you saw this year? Anything stick out? Do we live in a good Halloween area? Yeah, I went to this one house that had hot dogs and uh, wow. hot apple cider and hot chocolate and a wow. fire pit for the grown-ups. And it was awesome. I don't know that I would mix hot dogs and apple cider for some reason. Wow. Okay. You're but... clearly not American. <laughs> As American as hot apple cider and hot dogs. <laughs> well, that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with hot hot dog apple cider. <laughs> and another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. See you at Norwalk Havoc. Join the dark side. <laughs>